When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This episode of Positively Trek is brought to you by our supporters on Patreon, including Jim Stoffel, Joyce Marin, and Carl Morris. Visit patreon.com slash positivelytrek to help support the podcast. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, shoutouts, associate producer credits, and more. Thanks to all of you for your support. And now, let the show begin. Welcome, everyone, to a fresh episode of Positively Trek. I'm one of your hosts, Dan Gunther, and with me, as he is every week, is the terrific Bruce Gibson. Bruce, how are you today? I'm doing well, because this episode smells mm, so fresh. I just love the freshness of it. It's like the fresh-cut lawn of Star Trek podcasts. You know, it's brand new. It's, yeah. It's like that fresh-cut grass smell, like you mentioned, but... uh, I don't have to mow it. I don't have to bag it. Mm. I don't have to do anything. And I love that part of it, Dan. I hate doing the lawn. <laughs> I know, right? Like, there are times when I'm, when I'm mowing the lawn and I'm like, the last time I walked on this part of the lawn was when I mowed it last time. Like, it's like, I don't, why, 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 why do we have all this lawn? Ugh, I know, I but know. I have to admit something, though. So I guess it's been five years because it's when I went to Star Wars Celebration in London. We had to hire a company to come take care of our lawn because we were going to be gone for a couple of weeks. And it was the middle of the summer. And so we periodically, after we got back, would use them. If the weather was getting really hot, oh, we'll use them for a month. And then all of a sudden, my wife just kept using them. Because I've been begging for it forever. No, why should we pay people to do something we can do for free? And now for at least the last two or three years, I don't mow anymore. I'm so happy. <laughs> oh, I'm very jealous. I'm very jealous. Because, yeah, up where I live, we get the the double whammy, right? Because in the summer, I'm mowing the lawn. And in the winter, I'm shoveling the driveway and the sidewalks. Oh, yeah. And oh, I, I just... Those are two things that I really, really dislike doing. Have you ever used a snowblower? We used to have one when we lived up north for a while. Yeah, we do have a small electric snowblower now, which is a lot better than shoveling the whole thing. So it's gotten a little easier. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, in Georgia, mowing the lawn in the humidity, that's what oh. I can't stand. It's not so much mowing it, it's the humidity in the summer. I can't even imagine. Like, I complain about, we're, we're in the middle of a, a heat wave here in northern Alberta, which for us probably means our temperatures are approaching what yours normally are on a non-heat wave time in the summer. So I can't imagine what 
what it's like down there on a regular basis. Well, that's why I don't do it anymore. Thank you to my wife for allowing this to take place, to have the lawn people show up. That gives me more time to podcast. It gives me more time to read Star Trek. It gives me more time to watch Star Trek and more time to go out and buy Star Trek stuff. Well, speaking of hot places and also watching Star Trek, we do have a little bit of news this week. So as you may remember, Lower Decks premiered in Canada and the US, but the rest of the world was kind of left hanging for a while. And then it was announced that the rest of the world would get Lower Decks minus Latin America. So there was a big void in Latin America that they didn't receive Lower Decks, but now finally... Star Trek Lower Decks is heading to Latin America on Paramount Plus, uh, as well as Strange New Worlds will also be there on Paramount Plus. So uh, to any fans listening from Latin America, South America there, anything like that, great news. You can finally watch Lower Decks and we know where Strange New Worlds will be airing for you. This news is somewhat significant, not just to those, of course, in Latin America, but for internationally. This is a sign that as Paramount Plus builds out their service internationally, they're going to position probably more of their Star Trek properties onto the service. And I think this is just the sign of that to come. Now, I know, for example, Dan, in Canada, Paramount Plus is there, but they've already announced that Strange New Worlds will be on Crave and not on Paramount Plus there. But I think at some point they're going to start moving those types of properties to Paramount Plus internationally. That could be years from now. I, who knows? Who knows if Paramount Plus even exists in a few years? I mean, there's also some news out there about Comcast trying to buy Viacom CBS, which is a whole nother big animal, and that could disrupt Paramount Plus into a different type of service. Yeah, I saw something about that. So, you know, who knows what this landscape is going to look like in just a few short years, but it does definitely feel like a change on the horizon with with this going to Paramount Plus in Latin America, for sure. I can tell you by working in the industry, things are so crazy right now where everybody is trying to get into that online video space with as much content as possible. I think we're going to continue to see mergers. I think we're going to see more acquisitions. You know, even the Amazon trying to purchase MGM, getting their films on the Amazon Prime. It's all about as much content as you can get. And Paramount and Viacom CBS have a lot of content, but not as much as some of the bigger players, for example, like Disney and even Netflix in a sense. But, you know, now it's like, how can we get even bigger and badder is what's going to happen. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, there's been so many strange developments in that part of the the media landscape. You know, I'd love to listen to a podcast and have the whole Quibi thing explained to me at some point. But, you know, who who knows what's going to happen for sure. Oh, my gosh. I can talk about Quibi for at least a half hour <laughs> because my company did business with Quibi. So I'm very familiar with Quibi. And I will just let you know when we were getting in business with them. I said, this is ridiculous. The service is never going to work. And wow. honestly, after shut down, people at my company were like, you called it, Bruce. You called it. I'm like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, speaking of content, there is some more Star Trek content being created, not just in the form of television series and that sort of thing, but of course, in reality-based programming, such as the Star Trek Voyager documentary, To the Journey. 
How's that for a segue? Well, uh, we've just learned that it has started in-studio production. So uh, lots of movement on that. It, of course, raised over a million dollars in its crowdfunding campaign. And uh, now they're in front of the cameras in studio and it looks pretty cool. They've got this like neat little mini Voyager holodeck set going on and they're interviewing people for the documentary. And it looks like that is well underway for its uh, projected release in 2022. I think it's cool they have the holodeck behind them so it looks like they're sitting on the holodeck being interviewed and what they could do at times is even green screen behind them occasionally and change the environment so throughout the documentary seeing them being interviewed they're on the holodeck but then they're still on the holodeck but not on the holodeck but they still have like a new program running <laughs> you know like it could look like they're in different places that'd be pretty cool kind of a, a high-end version of what people are doing with their zoom meetings now <laughs> exactly Absolutely. Just like that. I'm kicking myself because I did not donate to this. I wanted to. It's all my fault. I got the emails. I kept planning to do it. I kept thinking, okay, yeah. Oh yeah. I need to do that. I need to do it. And I, I, I missed it. I missed it. I really wanted to help donate some money towards it, but they got more than enough. They yeah. got over a million dollars. Absolutely. Yeah, they, they definitely blew their goals out of the water. And the people behind the documentary have even said that, you know, this is really owed a lot to the Deep Space Nine documentary. If they'd been done in different orders, it probably would have been the DS9 documentary that blew past a million dollars. Because of the success with that one, people really got behind the Voyager one. So really happy to see their success and really looking forward to checking out this documentary when it comes out. So does that mean we're going to see the same efforts for Enterprise? Do you think that's going to happen? It's possible. The further we get from Enterprise, the more love that it seems to have from the fandom. I don't think it's quite up to the levels of Deep Space Nine and Voyager, but there is a lot of love for that show there. And I think, yeah, the further we get, the more people might be interested to see something like this for Enterprise, for sure. I would love to see the effort put into it. I hope that it gets the money it would need. It would be really sad if it doesn't meet its targets because it just says that Enterprise isn't treated as nicely as some of the others, which I hope is not the case. Like I say, I, I don't think it's quite up to that level, but there is a lot of love for it and and more every year for sure. So it's kind of finally earning its place. It's it's exactly like we say happens with every new Star Trek series, right? When it comes out, this isn't real Star Trek. This doesn't feel like Star Trek. And then a few years later, something else comes along and the thing that they were saying wasn't real Star Trek gets lumped in with everything else. And, and they say, why can't this new stuff be like that wonderful old stuff like Deep Space Nine, Voyager and Enterprise? <laughs> it's because Star Trek is like fruit. You know, it's not ripe yet. So we were taking bites of the fruit before, I guess, it's ripe. But then over time, people think now it's ripe and now it's Star Trek. It's just sad because I understand when people say, oh, that's not real Star Trek. That's not Star Trek. And then years later, they look back on it and they go, no, I, I, I've come around to really like it. And, and I see it now. You know, I get it because every new Star Trek is different. And sometimes it just takes a while for someone to accept something that is different because it doesn't feel quite right. But then when you give all this time, it's gone by and it's not in production anymore. It's not put on this pedestal as new Star Trek. And this is what everybody's watching now and everybody's talking about. And it's just kind of lying out there. And now you go in there like, well, it's over and done. I can't change anything. I'll just check it out now. And then you don't feel that anxiety of this is the new stuff. It's 
it's come and gone. And I think then some people can just relax and start to accept it because maybe it's just been around long enough that it doesn't feel as new and strange to them anymore. Yeah. And, and like you say, the stakes are a little lower, right? Yeah. It's a little yeah. bit more easily able to be enjoyed rather than the fate of the entire franchise resting on its shoulders kind of thing. So that makes a lot of sense. For yeah. Sure. It's like the franchise is still existing, even though that show has ended. So it's safe to watch it now. Yeah, <laughs> <You know? laughs> for sure. Well, speaking of this franchise, it has, of course, over 55 years of history or 55 years this year, I guess I should say. So it's been around a long time. And in those 55 years, there have been storylines that have come and gone, things that have happened that maybe haven't been completely answered or resolved. And I thought it would be kind of fun in this episode to talk about some of Star Trek's unresolved cliffhangers. And when I say cliffhangers, I'm using the term very, very loosely. So storylines that maybe could have used a follow-up or something like that, but we never really learned what happened to this alien species or character X or something like that. So yeah, I thought it would be interesting to kind of see what some of our maybe not favorites are, but just some that we thought of that would be fun to kind of talk a little bit about. Yeah, you know, you put that challenge to me of coming up with some ideas and I came up with like one or two fairly quickly and then I was just stumped for a while. And then I thought, well, I don't have time to watch the whole franchise over again. <laughs> so I just was like thinking about it for a while and I couldn't think of anything when I went to bed last night. And then when I woke up this morning, I'm eating breakfast, things start, started popping into my head. It's like I had to be in the right frame of mind or something. And then I thought of some things I know we're probably going to miss some stuff that other people come up with, but oh, I, sure. I do have some, so I don't know how good they are, but I think a few of them are pretty good. All right. Well, let's, let's start with one of yours. Cause I think you have a few more in your list than I ended up writing down. So, Oh my gosh. I thought you'd have like tons of pages. <laughs> <laughs> I could have thought of more, but I kind of narrowed it down to about five that really kind of trigger my imagination a bit. I would say my first one on my list is Worf. Because at Deep Space Nine, Worf left as an ambassador, and then in Nemesis, he's the security chief of the Enterprise. And I'm like, well, that transition has is unresolved. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Does that count? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's a good one. And as everyone knows, of course, Star Trek is the story of Worf. So right. that explanation needs to be shared with us. <laughs> that's why it's number one on the list. Uh, no, that's a good one. Yeah, I always wondered that why he's back in Nemesis on the bridge uh, when last we saw him, like you said, he was assigned as ambassador and had left Starfleet. It always frustrates me a bit that we get like diminishing explanations over the course of the, of the movies. So in First Contact, it's apparent he's there with the Defiant to help fight the Borg. In Insurrection, they start to explain why he's there, but they kind of, the camera follows a different conversation as he trails off. He says, I was at the Manzar colony when blah, blah. And then, you know, Riker and them start talking about something else. And Nemesis, it's just not explained. He's just there. What's going on? <laughs> yeah. And those things really don't bother me because as people know who listen to this podcast, we read the books and the comics and stuff. So usually when I see stuff like that in a series or a movie, it doesn't bother me. It actually excites me a little because I'm like, ooh, that's ripe for the picking for a novel, you know? Mm -hmm. So 
to me, it's like it it gives us opportunities to fill in those blanks with new stories. But for those who don't read stuff, that would be frustrating because they never got the answer to that question. Yeah, I, I love that you said that because this is going to be a recurring theme with some of the picks that I have is that they do get answered in the novels or this storyline does get picked up in the novels a bit and that kind of thing. So that's that's something that happens a lot that we're definitely going to bring up for sure. And this one in particular, we do get a bit of a bit of an explanation in the novels as well as to how he transitioned back into Starfleet there. The answers are there, people. You just have to go read them. Well, uh, I had one that uh, I think a lot of people have talked about over the years, and this is from season one of Star Trek The Next Generation. And those bugs at the end of the episode Conspiracy what happens with them? We know that there was this signal they sent out. So those who don't remember, maybe these are the bugs that crawled in through people's mouths and they had the little thing on the back of their neck and they were trying to take over Starfleet and the Federation, basically. And and Picard and Riker were able to defeat them in a gory, violent <laughs> phaser thing at the end. Very famous scene. But yeah, what happened at the end? Data says that a homing signal was sent out and the episode ends with that kind of ominous beeping as the enterprise flies off into the galaxy. What happened to those bugs? We never, ever see them again, at least in Canon Star Trek. I predict that we will get an answer to that in lower decks. I think that is a oh. perfect storyline that is ripe. See, there's the fruit analogy again. But it's ripe for the picking for Lower Decks. I can see a whole episode devoted to the return of those. I could absolutely see that because one of the things, of course, that bugged me about that episode is the, the visual effects are just not quite up to the level of that was probably needed. Uh, and I mean, nowadays they would be in live action for sure. You could make those things horrific and scary. But Lower Decks kind of playing on the cartoony look of them in the TNG episode. That would work well with that format. I, I, that's a great idea. I love that. Yeah. So Mike McMahon, if you're listening, you heard it here first. Go ahead, take it, steal it, run with it, do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. On my list, now some of these I'm like, wait, was this resolved? Was this ever said? I don't think this one was. Because see, I get confused when I read novels and comics I know things are mentioned in those, mm, and sometimes mm -hmm. I'm like, was that in a novel or was that in the series that I got that? So Transwarp Drive from the movies, like, okay, mm -hmm. we know that failed, but was that ever answered as to then, did they just abandon that technology? Are the new ships using any of that? Like, to me, that was always something I wondered about. Yeah, and that's something that if you watch just the films and stuff, it's never mentioned again. You know, they never, ever say if it worked, didn't work, what exactly the technology was or anything like that. Uh, yeah, that's a good one. I know like some of the background material, like the, I think Mr. Scott's guide to the enterprise or some of the technical manuals mention it, but yeah, we never get anything on screen about it. Because isn't warp drive in the next generation and in the later series that follow, isn't their warp speed a little faster than in the original series? Yeah, that's kind of basically how they explain it is they redid the warp scale. So, you know, in the original series, uh, the ship went like warp 13 or warp 14 on a couple of occasions. And they say like in the next generation to explain that, that it's been rejiggered. So that was probably like warp nine or something. 
at, yeah. on the new scale. Again, that's something that I don't think ever gets like mentioned explicitly in the show, but in like the technical manuals and stuff, they kind of make mention of that. Yeah. So I've often wondered if some form of transwarp drive is used on the Enterprise D, maybe not fully or something, but you know, anyway, it's just, yeah, like that was a technology that worked, but you know, maybe it wasn't perfect, but did they just abandon it just because it never worked? I don't know. Mm -hmm. No, that's a good question. I like that one for sure. I'd love like just a throwaway line. Maybe again, lower decks, this would be a perfect thing. Like Boimler mentions transwarp drive or something from and it could even be something funny like that. Like, what about Transwarp Drive? Anybody ever hear of that again? What was that? Was that some kind of conspiracy? Where'd that go? <laughs> right. Yeah. See, that that one I'd like to know about. Uh, well, another one that I have is kind of a cliffhanger because it's at the end of the series, um, but it's still one that like was a big question that went unresolved, and that's what happened ultimately with Cisco at the end of Deep Space Nine. That was on my list. Oh, perfect. Yeah, because, of course, as he says to Cassidy in the final episode of Deep Space Nine, I will return. It might be a year from now. It might be yesterday, you know, and and I've always wanted an explanation of that or a revisit of that or even just a mention of that in canon Star Trek. Of course, this is one that also has been answered in the novel verse as well. So, uh, you know, the answers, like you say, are there for those of you wanting to read the novels. If they're going to do this on screen, I want this one on Star Trek Picard. I don't want this to be answering Lower Decks because it's a little... No. <laughs> I, I want this to be a little more serious than that. But I would love for it that for some reason Picard goes to see Cisco or runs into Cisco somewhere. And then it's explained like, you know, oh, ever since your return so-and-so years ago or something, you know. I don't think Avery Brooks would do it. But, yeah. oh my gosh, I would just, like, fall down and scream and whatever if Avery Brooks showed up <laughs> as Cisco on Picard. Absolutely. Well, I remember the kind of fan buzz when the first teaser trailer for season two of Picard came out. And one of the things in that trailer was the, the Reckoning tablet from season six of Deep Space Nine. And everybody's thinking like, oh, there's something to do with the prophets or something like that. The further we get from that, I'm like... Maybe it was just a random thing chosen to represent Picard's love of archaeology or something like that, which, you know, we do know that there's time travel in season two, though. So maybe the prophets are involved somehow. I, I don't know. It's, there's only 10 episodes, so I don't know how they could cram anything like this in there, but you never know. I don't know. I, I don't think it'll show up in anything like this will show up in Picard, but there's just that outside chance you never know well you could even do something where you don't even explain it but there's just a line that's dropped that indicates that cisco is back you know i mean mm -hmm. in the novels he's a captain of a starship of the robinson so you know even if they wanted to take that from the novels and just say uh, well uh captain cisco and the robinson ran into that just recently and blah blah like just a little line like that and you're like oh <gasps> He's back and he's a captain of a starship and that's all you need to know, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's one of the things that I loved about the uh, Star Trek Picard novel that featured Riker and the Titan. There was one little tiny throwaway line and they don't mention Cisco and they could easily get away with, you know, Cisco not being involved in this at all. But they said a number of starships had been like secretly delivering relief supplies to the Romulans, including the Titan, the Enterprise and the Robinson. 
Like there was just this little throwaway line and you're like, oh, people have been reading the novels forever, like thinking Cisco, but they never said Cisco. So they're still free to do whatever with that character. But those of us in the know were like, oh, I think it's Cisco. (laughs) Yeah, that's what we think is implied. But yeah, it's too loose. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Wow. Okay. So because you said that one, I'm going to pick another one on my list of voyagers return home we never Mm. saw them come to earth and i've heard so many fans of voyager say we never got to see them get home you know they should have brought them home maybe earlier in the season and so we could have seen more of what happens on earth and what happens to chakotay and taurus and you know the maquis former maquis members you know how are they welcomed in to the federation or are they welcomed in you know there's a lot of these unanswered questions of what happens when they get home it's like gilligan's island we got a movie that showed what happened when they got rescued and came back to the united states we didn't get that with voyager and you like you would say we got that in the novels but we didn't get that on screen and i think there's a lot of huge voyager fans that want to see a follow-up to what happened yeah absolutely That's something that I wonder if they're tackling at all in the Voyager documentary that we spoke about earlier, because that would be a fun thing. Deep Space Nine, of course, had the season eight writer's room. The Voyager one, I would love it if they had like a, you know, scripted out the return to Earth or something like that. That would be really neat. But yeah, that was something that, you know, I was kind of frustrated with, with the end of Voyager that... You know, they say we're home and everyone's like, oh, eyes are kind of weepy. And then they show Voyager flying towards Earth with the fleet and that's it. And I was like, but, but, but what happens? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that at least deserves just a movie or something. It doesn't even have to be in the theater, like a TV movie or back then or something. Just a follow up two hour thing of what happened when they got home, you know? Yeah. But, I mean, we get a little bit now with Seven of Nine on Picard. That gives some questions about her character, and it could reveal something later about the others, but it's just not going to be enough. Like, I want to know. I want to see what happens. I want to know what they experience. I wonder if, because we know Star Trek Prodigy, of course, we have the holographic Janeway. I do wonder if there'll be some sort of interaction with maybe the real Janeway at some point, and we might get a little bit of answers. We, of course, saw Admiral Janeway in Nemesis. So, you know, we know they're just like, they're back in the fleet, but yeah, the Maquis question is still a big thing and and all of that stuff. There's so many things that that series kind of set up as sticking points and interesting things that just kind of get a little bit thrown away at the end because like, oh, we're home. Everyone's happy. Well, is everyone happy? I don't know. You know? And again, that the novels, I mean, that, I mean, and and there are a bunch of great novels that are post-Voyager. The problem, though, is that now that Picard has premiered, those novels take place in a different timeline or universe, whatever it is, you know, and that's some of that's going to be defined, I think, in the Coda trilogy. But I mean, that's not really what happened in this prime timeline now. So we really don't have the stories of what actually happened that led to where Seven is today. Yeah, we need we need something more. (laughs) I'll take that in animation. Because, you know, the cast is getting older. I want to see something that happens once they get home, not what happened years later. Yeah. And we know, like, Voyager is a known ship to the general public because, you know, people were following this. And, 
interested when they came home. And Boimler mentions Voyager in season one when they're talking about the different ship sounds. So that's Voyager at warp three or whatever. So, you know, it's, it's a pretty famous ship. You know, it could get another mention and, and kind of little tidbits or something like that. That'd be cool. Well, another one I have uh, has to do with a character. And in Deep Space Nine, we learned that the Maquis were mostly wiped out by the Cardassians when they joined the Dominion. But there's one character who joined the Maquis before then, and we never saw her again. And that's, of course, Ro Laren. I would have loved to have seen that character again to know what happened to her. Was she wiped out with the Maquis or did she somehow escape that? Was she make, maybe taken prisoner by the Cardassians or something like that? Could she have ended up in a, in a labor camp or something, you know? Now, again, the novels, we do see that. We see where her character goes. But canon-wise, I'd love to see something more from her. That's a good one. I'm so disappointed I didn't think of that one because I love Rolaren. I, I really like that character a lot. Yeah, whatever happened to her? I don't even know if we'll ever see that on Lower Decks or Picard or anything. I don't think that will ever get answered. Yeah, and it's too bad because Michelle Forbes brought such a cool dynamic to The Next Generation. Any show that had Ro in it, even when she was just in the background tapping away on the helm console or something like that. I was just always so happy to see her in the show. Yeah, I think her character deserves some sort of wrap-up or send-off or something. One of the reasons I really love that character is because she really brought a different type of spice to the next generation that wasn't mm -hmm. there, that everybody got along and everybody was perfect or whatever. And then she just came in and she just kind of disrupted that. She didn't fit in. And I like that because it just added a little something more to that cast. Well, speaking of the TNG cast... I did have on my list, what happened to Pulaski? Oh, that's a good one. I hadn't thought of that. Because if I recall, Crusher returns, but they don't say where Pulaski went. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, it was like they forgot she even existed. And she's never referred to again. She never shows up on the ship. She doesn't show up in any movies. I mean, she's a prominent character in TNG. She was on for a full season, and we never heard anything that happened to her. There is one reference to her in season three of TNG. And it's just a, it's very small line where Picard gets Dr. Crusher to wipe the memory of, of uh, one of the aliens. And he starts to outline and she, she says like, I'm well aware of Dr. Pulaski's technique or something like that, because she did that for Sarjanka in the season two episode, pen pals. Uh, this was the episode who watches the watchers with the like proto Vulcan humanoids, the Mintakins. Yeah. But that's like the only name drop ever I, uh, that I can recall anyway. I, I think there's a lot of people that will probably say, I don't care what happened to Pulaski because <laughs> she wasn't always well liked by some people, but there's a lot of us out there that do like her and would like to know what happened to her. I don't think she fell down a turbo lift shaft, you know, but... <laughs> I was going to bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because that was cool. I, back then, I was a big L.A. Law fan, so it was great to see her on there. Well, I think that's like in the Star Trek encyclopedia as a little side note or something that like she fell down a turbo lift shaft. Oh, you're but, right. Like, just as a joke, though, for the L.A. Law thing. Like it's not canon. It's yes. It was like the italic that's like the little side note things or something. I think I remember that now. Yeah, that's cool. Another one that's kind of close to the one that I just mentioned about uh, Ensign Rowe is I would have loved to have seen what happened with Thomas Riker. 
because he was captured by the Cardassians in the Deep Space Nine episode Defiant. And Kira says, we'll come back for you. We'll rescue you or something like that. So we never got a follow up to that. I'd love to know if he's out there somewhere uh, still, you know, making Will Riker question his identity and all that stuff. And similarly, and I kind of lumped this together, Ensign Cito Jaxa, the other, the Bajoran from the TNG episode Lower Decks and The First Duty, uh, where she helped the Cardassian get back across the border. But they reported that she was killed in action because the shuttle was destroyed. But we never see a body. Maybe she's like in some prison camp with Thomas Riker or something like that. So I would love to see these characters again. Oh, that's a good one with her. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because she's dead, but is she really? I like that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, when you were talking about Roe, I was thinking of Thomas Riker, and I thought, well, it's not on my list, so I won't mention him, but I'm glad you did. Yeah, <laughs> I've I've often wondered about Thomas Riker, and the actor who played him is still around. I mean, he's still active in Star Trek. I think his name is uh, Jonathan Frakes. Something so, like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he could return to playing that role. I think Thomas Riker has settled to some planet maybe on Ferenginar and he opened up a pizza parlor and likes to make pizzas maybe, you know, cause Will Riker likes to make pizza. So yeah, maybe, maybe he and Will just have like an agreement and Will's like, I need a month off. I need to just go away and be by myself. Thomas, you know, just get in here. Just, me for a while <laughs> and, and deanna's <laughs> like no no stay away from me for a month i know you're not the will the real will Riker. stay away from me <laughs> <laughs> oh shoot she's an empath yeah that wouldn't work <laughs> <laughs> or she might be like oh thomas good to see you again <laughs> well, you never know <laughs> that's a little creepy we'll just leave that <laughs> off to the side <laughs> yeah but yeah definitely characters that i would love to see again for sure i'll throw out wesley crusher i'm gonna put him in there i I debate about putting him on the list we do see him briefly in nemesis in a starfleet uniform but wait i thought he went off with the traveler so why is he back and then there was the oh gosh you and i talked about this the other day it was something i was where he's like an engineering on the titan it wasn't Mm -hmm. the star trek experience but was it like the a traveling Star Trek thing? exhibition, I think, or something okay. like that? Yeah. Then that's where I saw. I remember it was like Will Wheaton played Wesley. It was on a monitor where he's working in engineering on the Titan. I was like, so he really is back in Starfleet, you know? But it's like, why would he return? Or did he really return? Is this some kind of experiment that he's doing? Or did he lose his abilities? Yeah, that's a good one because that's something I've always questioned as well. And, you know, his lines are all cut from Nemesis. But he is still visible in the final film and at the end of the the wedding party there. So, yeah. What's that about? That's a good question. Again, recurring theme here. If you read the novels, you'll get an explanation of of some kind. Not canon, but it's there. Yeah. I I used to think when I watched Nemesis and he was in uniform, I thought, well, did he actively resign from Starfleet when he went off with the Traveler? Or did he just go off? Yeah, I mean, he was still at the Academy, I think, finishing his final year, but it could be that he just took a sabbatical or something. I don't know. Yeah, I just wonder if he's still active in some manner in Starfleet, using his abilities, and he's doing things for Starfleet as he travels the universe, but not in a traditional way. Like, who knows how much of his final year was left? Maybe he just came back and did some upgrading courses, and now he's a commissioned officer. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. And that's what I thought when I watched Nemesis. I thought maybe it's something like that. Well, uh, I have, I'm going to say two more. I'm going to resurrect one of the ones that I crossed out because it is actually, I think, a good one here. Trip and Paul, their relationship. So the second last episode of Enterprise, we see they've just lost Elizabeth, their child, and they're so in love. I mean, they've gone through this hardship, but you can tell they're really close, really strong and that kind of thing. And then we go to the final episode of Enterprise, which is supposedly set 10 years later on the holodeck in uh, Riker's version of it. And we find out that they drifted apart and broke up and haven't been together for quite a long time. And I'm like, guys, what happened? Come on. I still think you could say that, oh, it's the holodeck. Maybe it's unreliable. Maybe the, you know, the story didn't play out quite like that. So I think it's open-ended to do what you want. But I would love to know what happened with Trip and Paul and... Are they still together by that time or did they break up? And if so, why? What happened? Yeah, that's a good one. Because I remember watching the last episode and thinking, wait, what what has gone on with their relationship in the five years or six years since we last saw them? I mean, again, I don't think we'll see that in Lower Decks. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I would be curious to know about more about that relationship. Yeah, because they really were developing it and then it stopped. Because the series stopped. And so, yeah, I'd like to know more about that. Yeah. And the fact that it happened off screen, I think, bugs me a bit. Just that, like, you know, they'd done all this development in season four. And that was one of the things I really loved about season four was that evolution of that relationship. You know, Paul gets married to someone else at the beginning of the season. And, like, we go, go all this distance and that's just kind of thrown out in the final episode. And I go, well, I want to see that story. Like, how did that happen? Okay. I have to say something as we've been going through this, other ones keep popping into my mind and I've been writing them down. My list is getting longer. So actually I'll just mention the one that I'm writing down right now. We never got any resolution of how Kirk ended up with the enterprise. Like hmm. every series we see the first mission of every starship or space station or whatever, but we just joined them. The crew's already there. How did they all get there? You know, what What was their first mission like? I don't know if that really counts as unresolved, but I remember for the longest time when I would watch Star Trek, the original series, I used to wonder, well, how did they start off on the ship? How did, you know, the first mission go? And how did he become captain? And how, how did it go when he first met Spock? And yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, how did everybody meet one another? What was that like? And I used to always wonder that. That's what prompted me to read the novel Enterprise, Their First Adventure, which was the first novel I ever read because I was curious about that. Now, when we got Star Trek 09, we got a tale that shows the meeting of these characters. But of course, it takes place in a different timeline. But for me, that was always unresolved. I always wanted to know how they met. That's cool. Yeah. I, I've i been curious about that myself. And it's, yeah, the, the nature of television at the time, you just kind of jump in. It's not really like an ongoing story that's developing. So yeah, it would be really cool to see that first adventure. And uh, that novel you mentioned, I do have on my shelf, but I've never read it. I haven't gotten around to reading that one. So uh, maybe an idea for a future book club episode, because I would be really curious to read that as well. I would love to reread it because it's the first one I ever read. So it'd be interesting to see what I think of it now. That's cool. Yeah. Oh, might have to add that to the list for sure. Well, my last one that I have on my list here that I, that I 
that I created is one from Star Trek Discovery. And it's a it's a thread that might get picked up at some point. We'll see. I don't know. But what the heck happened to Prime Lorca? I still want to know that because we get that throwaway line where, you know, no one from our universe could possibly have survived this long. So my Lorca is dead is basically what Admiral Cornwell says. And I'm like, well, we just had Discovery and their crew survive in the mirror universe for an extended period of time. So come on, give him a little more, more credit. I think uh, he could be somewhere. And again, we get that like post credit scene in one of the novels, Desperate Measures, where it's pretty heavily implied that Lorca is sitting in some holding cell somewhere, possibly the mirror universe. I want to know what happened to him. A, because I'm really curious about the character, and B, because I would love to see Jason Isaacs in Star Trek again. That's a really good one. I'm kicking myself that I didn't think of that one, because I was <laughs> thinking about Discovery for a while. There was only one thing I came up with Discovery. I don't know if it's an unresolved thing, but I like... I, yeah, this one is definitely probably the top of the list of Discovery unresolved things is Lorca, because I know a lot of people ask, what happened to Prime Lorca? Is he still alive? Is he still out there? And Jason Isaacs even teases, like, you know, he's, he could still be out there. I could still play him. You know, like, he, mm -hmm. I think he wants to do it. Yeah, absolutely. He's recently said that what would bring him back is a good story, right? That's what he always bases taking characters on is, does the script impress him? And he has said, yeah, he's absolutely open to playing Prime Lorca. And he says in this interview, yeah, he's still out there. We don't know what happened to him. So that's, pra he's practically saying, writers, write a good story. I'll come back, you know? Yeah, and you could easily do that in Strange New Worlds when that series mm -hmm. premieres. Or the new Section 31, right? Exactly, yeah, yeah. If, if that becomes a thing, for sure. If, and not just if, but also when. Sorry, I meant place. when. I meant when. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll just mention real quick, this isn't really one, but I don't know. Let me know what you think if this is unresolved, because this is Discovery. When Discovery premiered and we saw this new look of the Klingons, I remember the creator saying, oh, well, there's different houses of Klingons, so there's different looking Klingons in each house. Now, this wasn't mentioned on the show. This is mm -hmm. from the creators of the show. And I was always waiting to see these other houses of Klingons and go, oh my gosh, those look like the TOS Klingons. Oh, those look like the TNG Klingons. Those represent those different houses. I, that first season, every episode, I kept waiting <laughs> to see these houses of Klingons and we didn't get them. Yeah, no, that that that's fair. I've always been wanting to see like an augment Klingon show up at some point because we do know they exist at this time and we got the explanation for why and how from Enterprise and we see them, of course, in the original series. I would love to see that kind of and kind of related. It seems like the Klingons in the original series, the like unforeheaded ones are kind of dominant so yeah. like what happened was there like a power switch at some point right you know and i'd love to see that play out that's exactly what i want to see yeah <laughs> that's exactly maybe strange new world storyline like that would be really cool yeah because you know we'll probably see klingons in it right so mm -hmm. yeah they, they might go there so maybe we still will get that that there's hope there for that so okay anything more on your list uh, I had some other ones that weren't really, I don't know. I, I kind of reconsidered them. I was like, Commander Sela, what happened to her? Is she still around? I thought about that, yeah. 
I'm not the biggest fan of the character, so it's not <laughs> something that I'm like, ooh, I really want to see, but like, you know, just kind of a mention, like she's definitely an outlier in the Romulans, you know, she's a unique character. I'd like to at least get maybe a mention of what happened to her with the whole destruction of Romulus and all of that. Is she still out there somewhere or was she caught up in all of that? I don't know. That's, that's one I did briefly think of and I was like, eh, I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm kind of uh, done with my list. Were there any more that you had that you wanted to share? I do. I'm so proud of myself now because I thought Dan's going to have this whole list. I'm going to have like three things. <laughs> but as we're talking, things are still popping in my head. Okay, so the cloaking device on the Pegasus, that whole mm. experiment, mm-hmm. like what happened to that technology? Like, isn't that out there? Is anybody doing anything with that? Do the Romulans, like what? what's happening with that? Yeah, well, we know the Romulans were experimenting with something similar uh, a couple years earlier in the next phase. It's the same idea, right? That phasing yeah. cloak thing. So it's funny, yeah, we've never heard of that since TNG, you know? They talk about, like, the scimitar, its cloak being perfect, but can you imagine if it had a phasing cloak of some kind or something right. like that? It's just hiding inside a planet? That'd be cool. I don't know. Yeah, I kind of wondered about that. The other thing I have here is, is related. That whole ban on warp drive because it's tearing up space or whatever, mm. that just seemed to go away <laughs> for yeah. whatever reason. Yeah, that was another thing that like the background material of shows, again, not, not mentioned in the show, but like they said, that's why Voyager's warp engines go up and down like that is to like, it's some technology to mitigate that. And then there's other technology that like was incorporated in the Enterprise E and all that stuff. So yeah, it was just something they didn't want to deal with anymore, <laughs> I think. And the last one is just my funny, jokey, ha-ha one. And that is, this has been unresolved, people. Did Harry Kim ever get a promotion? Oh, right? <laughs> <laughs> I saw something the other day that really made me laugh. And like it, the real reason that Janeway went back in time and changed everything wasn't just to bring Voyager home early. It was because she did not want to live in a timeline where Harry Kim was promoted to captain. <laughs> she's like i can't stand this i've got to wipe it out she's like it's my mission to make sure that boy does not get promoted ever oh poor harry oh that's awful <laughs> i just came up with another one okay that's kind of related to this whatever happened because i was just thinking about the we haven't mentioned anything from the animated series whatever mm. happened to giant spock is yes. he like still hanging around <laughs> Yeah, he's there. He was going to complete his his mission there. And did he, I, I saw somebody made a an image where, you know, this 50 foot tall Spock shows up at Starfleet Academy and, or Starfleet Command. And he's like, oh, I've finished my mission with Dr. Uh, Caniculus. Or I know I'm saying that wrong, but what's my next mission? <laughs> Please give me an updated uniform that fits me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I would love to see. And you know what? I guarantee you Lower Decks is going to visit something with Giant Spock. Yeah, because he got a he got a name drop in the remember when they were on or they thought they were on trial, but it was the birthday party for that guy. I think, yeah, they mentioned like the 50 foot tall Spock or something (laughs) like that. (laughs) Well, and the thing is, Spock would still be alive, you Mm -hmm. know. Absolutely. So, yeah, we can revisit the old giant Spock. 
<laughs> that would have been a good way to get around the whole J.J. Abrams universe and Romulus being destroyed. If they didn't want to do that storyline, yeah. they could be like, um, you know, Spock failed to save Romulus and fell in the black hole. But what they didn't realize was this other Spock in a much larger ship actually did manage to save Romulus. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. We need that. <laughs> I'm just picturing like Boimler being running around on a planet being chased and he's panicking and he and he climbs up a, a beanstalk, goes up in the clouds and there's an old giant Spock sitting there saying like, <laughs> I've been waiting for someone to show up for a long time. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Well, like you said earlier, I'm sure there's many that we missed. Um, this is by no means a comprehensive list, I don't think, but... I would love to hear from our listeners if there are any big unresolved cliffhangers or dropped storylines that you would love to see revisited or you always wondered how that all got resolved. Let us know. Email us positivelytrek at gmail.com. I'd love to start, you know, kind of sharing more of our listeners' stories on the show and that kind of thing. So I think that might be a fun one to kind of, you know, revisit last week's topic with with answers that people come up with. Or something like that. So, uh, but yeah, in the meantime, Bruce, where can people find you online? I'm on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex, and I'm on Instagram at Admiral Rex, and I'm occasionally on the Star Wars Report podcast. I don't know what we, like, we haven't had, like, a real episode in a while, and I was just going to text Riley later today and ask, like, when are we going to record something? But hopefully we'll have something soon on that. And then also um, occasionally on Literary Treks. And I think that's it. And of course, you can find me on Facebook in our group, Dan. Absolutely. Yeah, our Facebook discussion group, the Positively Trek discussion group. Search for that. I've been noticing a lot of people have been liking Positively Trek on Facebook and our page there. Please also make sure to find the discussion group and join that as well, because there's always great discussions happening there. We'd love to have new people come in and join us as well. You just have to click that you agree to the rules and we will let you right in. You can reach me on Twitter at Kurtrats. I'm also on YouTube at youtube.com slash Productions. And yeah, our Goodreads group and treklet.com. So... Thank you all so much for listening this week. I want to give a special thank you to our Patreon supporters. You really do help us out. We're just about breaking even now with what we spend on the podcast and with that being paid for with Patreon money. So if you have deep enough pockets, we would love if you could help us out. Thank you so much to those of you who are helping us out. We really do appreciate it. We'll see you in the next episode. Until then, as always, stay positive. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.